Look to your left and right and tell somebody you're glad to see them. You have to look both ways because you don't want somebody to feel like, I'm not glad to see you, especially if it's your spouse. Tell them first. You know, then you might have to shout on the other side somebody, but tell somebody. Yeah, Pastor Kobe is correct. To see uh, fruit from Teen Machine, to see Marcus and his wife, which is, uh, that's so exciting. And it's, it's not just that fruit, but it's the fact that it takes, truthfully, biblically, when the man chooses to follow. Come on, somebody. It's biblical. You need to give the Lord a real hand clap. There's no, you'll never clap for me in here, and I refuse to have you do that. But you will always clap for the Lord when the Lord does something great. And he's doing something great because you're here this morning. And that's okay to be dead and in the grave because your body may be there, but you won't. Come on, somebody. It's the truth. But it's so exciting to see. And, and I know that Marcus probably doesn't even understand fully what he's doing, but he's going to understand as the days, months, years and years and years and the stronger he gets the stronger his family will get and the stronger that his kids will grow up and be brought up in the Lord and see things in the Lord talk about the Lord as a matter of fact Marcus is bringing me to the fact of he's going to start homework that's what he's going to do he's going to start homework you know when I was a kid if the teacher said homework I started having hives and throwing up and (laughs) come on somebody am I the only one now, my wife never did that. She took it. She went home and said, hey, I got homework. Great. I mean, you know, she didn't do nothing else. So, you know, all she did was think about me. And that was hard. That's the only reason why her homework was difficult, because she had to think about me. I want to tell you something, and I, and I want you to know this. I think it's exciting to be in a church that's alive. I think it's exciting to be in a church that expects God to do what his word says do. Now, listen to me. I think it's even more exciting the fact that you're not waiting for one somebody to go to the mountain, but we can all go to the mountain. Now, you, you listen to what I'm saying. Don't you be waiting for me to take your place. You get yourself together and you get to that mountain. Daddies, you take your family to the mountain. Then we can all speak into each other's life words of truth, value, importance, purpose, and obviously the will of God. Homework. <laughs> Wayne, I know you didn't like homework. I know I didn't like homework. I don't even know if I ever did any homework. That's why when I got to college and they said, do this stuff. Come on, somebody. I thought they were kidding. That's why I flunked out four times before I decided, really and truly, I don't think I'm exaggerating, at least four times, until finally I decided something had, so I went out and married a tutor. (laughs) I may not be very smart, but I'm smarter than I look. I married a tutor. That's exactly what I did. And she tutored me through about three and a half years of school, and next thing you know, I have a degree. You can't beat it. I mean, I love it. She's taught me many things. She really has. I mean, uh, and especially after we both got born again, now we're walking this walk together. Homework. I want you to know it's very important. As believers, there must be a focus to bring this truth of developing our families for kingdom culture and kingdom principle. That's really all you're here for. That's it. This is a small part of homework. Yes, this is a part of homework, but it's a small part of homework. This is just an inkling of what we're supposed to be doing. We're beginning a series today called Homework. 
Okay, this is the only time in my life since I was born again, when I was 28 years old, July 17th, 1980, I'll never forget that I enjoyed from that point on reading. And I never enjoyed reading before. I absolutely loved reading, but I loved reading about my Lord. I loved reading the scripture. I loved I loved it the first time I went through the entire Bible, from Genesis to Revelation. And I'm still amazed at so many people that have not read their Bible through one time. I'm amazed. And some of them have been Christians for like 15, 20, 30 years, and you've not read your Bible all the way through. I'm thinking you're missing lots of good homework. See, this homework's not tedious. This homework is not laborious. Matter of fact, you have a helper. Come on, somebody say helper. I say, the Bible says you have a helper. Say helper. Are you, well, who is this helper? It's Holy Ghost. That's what the Bible says. He's your helper. That's why you're not doing homework by yourself. You know, back in the day, I was doing homework by myself. Turn that air conditioner up a little bit. I'm sure they're cold. It's okay. I don't, I'll preach hot a little bit. If I put you up here doing this, you'll get a little hot too. Yes, probably the most ignored project in the faith is homework. Because when we leave here, what do we do with it? A lot of times we just cast it aside until next Sunday. We don't pick up our Bible. I mean, I don't know. I, I have this thing about Bibles. I love Bibles. I really do. But I don't have a special Bible. You know how people have their special Bible? And when they want people to see it, they like to show people it's all marked up. Got words all in it and sermons that they put down. That's good. I'm not knocking that. But don't make it so religious you think that impresses somebody. Let God write them on your heart. That's what's important. I don't have a, a special Bible. I'll read any Bible as long as it's a, a, a holy Bible. Come on, somebody. I'm just teasing. But I'll read any Bible. Uh, I don't mark in them. Not because I think you're not supposed to. It's just that I can't read my writing, so why would I mark in them? <laughs> now, I'm serious. I can't read, but I know this word is true. I know this word is valuable. I know it's important. I know it's for all of us to be taught and all we have to do is learn how to listen and be led by the Holy Ghost. And there's no reason why your home cannot work. Somebody say amen. amen. Just as a student must be disciplined to complete work brought home from school, so must we as parents. We must be. I mean, how are we going to ever teach our kids to, to make their home work if we don't show them how to work in the home? I don't know. I don't think it's going to happen. What is homework? The various applications of truth we learn from the Bible implemented into the family. And that don't mean just here. I've said it once, but I'll say it again. It's not just here what you're learning. It's what you learn when you go home and you open your word, Bill. It's what you're paying attention to at home more even than it is now because most of you didn't bring a pad today. Most of you are not going to re-watch this on um, uh, Facebook most of you are going to say, that was an okay message. I've heard most of that before and it didn't impress me. But the point is, I'm not trying to impress you. I want God to possess you so you can get past you and get onto him so that your family will learn how to work. So many families are dysfunctional. Come on, somebody. Boy, somebody agreeing with me right there. The rest of you are going, he ain't talking to me. Many families are dysfunctional. I'm not talking about because there's so much divorce and there's, there's so much shacking up and, and there's so many other things. I'm just talking about in, in Christian married couples, 
the, the parents can't agree on what should or shouldn't be done or where should their kids go or where should their kids not go. So therefore, there's a divided issue in the house, even though they're both Christians. And the kids think when they get married, that's how marriage is supposed to be. That's how the home is supposed to work. And that's not true. Many believers have expressed to me when growing up, their family went to church on Sunday but left God. The Bible and all applications at the same place. At the church. They walked out the door and it was like they were, it was carved off of them. It was like they went through a veil to the world. Egypt once, once again ruled. This is how we as parents develop a procedure which practices the one-seventh ritual. The one-seventh. There's seven days in a week. But most of us in here, in, in our families, we practice the one-seventh ritual. Is that not right? One day out of the week we practice God, and it's only a couple of hours. And if I keep you too long, it's going to make you mad. Come on, somebody. It's the truth. I mean, there are churches now that brag about they can get out of a message, they can get through with church, they can preach in 15 minutes, and they're out. No, I'm, I'm serious. That's good if that's what you want to do. It's called the microwave church. Get hot and done in 15 minutes and you're out in the world. But the problem is you cool off way too quick. Come on, somebody. Isn't that, somebody say amen. amen. Y'all better quit looking at me in that tone of voice this morning. <laughs> One out of seven days we go to church. We acquire this custom from the Old Testament. We know what it says in Genesis 2, 2 through 4. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. <clears throat> and God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. This is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created. Now listen to me. The difference is, first of all, you did not create the heaven and the earth. So you've got to understand what your rest is, not his. Okay? But this is an ideal, this rest of God is an ideal declaration of God encapsulating his work in admiration for his creation. He is looking at what he created. Come on, somebody. So that he's looking at the, what he created and he's thinking, I know who I'm going to place in here. They are going to absolutely love this beyond what the world can offer. <laughs> he knew that wouldn't be true, but of course that was the ideal plan. It was the best of God. Then, of course, we have the law, right? Exodus 28, it says, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Now, that's important to them in the law. They had to stop every uh, uh, one day a week, one-seventh of the day, as they even still do today with the Sabbath by doing no work and eating a large meal and fellowshipping. But there's still an issue. But that's what they do right now. Every Saturday, every Saturday, it starts, okay? And their whole day, it, they don't do anything. The women are supposed to cook before it gets there, before it starts, and then all during that day till, the, till that evening. Starts Friday evening till Saturday evening. And that evening, uh, then at that point, the town starts coming alive. You ought to be in Israel when it's like that. I've been there many times. And when the Sabbath hits, you better not need a taxi. You better not need to get anywhere. You better not need to go buy any food. You better have bought all that stuff before. Now, there might be a few worldly restaurants open, but they're not many and they're far and few to find. But there's still an issue they have. The day is worshipped, but many times God is not. 
Do you understand that? See, when you make one day, we even do that. We have to be careful because we'll make Sunday a day that we worship and God's over here somewhere and we lost God, but we did God a favor or we don't even know who God is, but we think we did something for God when we're not doing anything for God. We're doing it for ourselves. Remember means that this, along with all other commands, was important in practice. What is what it means? Remember the Sabbath. Remember this. This was a part of kingdom culture. Everybody say culture. What's our culture today? You already know what I know the culture is. You know what it is today too. So their practice was to work, then find rest. So they worked all week long, stay with me, and they found rest. Are you with me? They work and they found rest. That was the Old Testament. That was the law. That's why the law was so damning and so difficult to keep. Because you couldn't work enough to satisfy the law. You couldn't be perfect enough, but you would work, 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 work until you just worked yourself to the bone, and then on the Sabbath, you would rest. Well, in Jesus, get this, I want you to listen to me, we find rest, then we work. No, you missed that, didn't you? I'm trying to help some of you in here. What? There's a whole lot of difference because the law makes you work, and then hopefully you can exhaust yourself to rest. But in Christ, you find rest. I'm a, I'm a, okay, that's what I'm talking about today. That's why we have to learn how to work at home and make the home work if we learn how to rest in God. That's our difficulty, is learning how to rest in God. Grace versus law. One is impossible. Robert, the law is impossible. It's impossible to keep. If it was possible for one of us to keep, Jesus would have died. But it's impossible. But the one with grace... It's given through Jesus. It's obviously very possible because it's in him and through him. In the Old Testament, the Sabbath was not a time of doing nothing, but a time of worship and reflecting on the things of God. That's what they were supposed to be doing. But as you notice, when you get to the Pharisees in the New Testament, they were more in tune with telling you what they did for God when they truly missed the God that was right in front of them because they had learned to worship the written word and the acts of the word, and they missed the living word. Come on, somebody. Many people do that, Leroy. This means whatever he ordained. Oh, let me say. In the Old Testament, the Sabbath was not a time of doing nothing, but a time of worship and reflecting on the things of God. This means whatever he ordains on the Sabbath, he has a right to do. Why? He's Lord. He can do what he wants to do. Look at Mark 2, 27, 28. And he said unto them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Therefore, the Son of Man is Lord also of the Sabbath. Okay, what does that mean? He's Lord of the Sabbath. Well, let's just read it again in a different version so you can understand it a little better. Then said Jesus to the Pharisees, the Sabbath day was made to help people. People were not made to be ruled by the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord of every day, even the Sabbath. Now, since Jesus is Lord over every day, not just the Sabbath, we must learn to operate as a family Seven-sevenths, not one-seventh. Amen? And most of us are operating one-seventh, two-sevenths, three-sevenths. You know, I mean, I do church usually. Obviously, I come up here every day, but I do church Sunday. Monday, I come to prayer. Tuesday, I have a small group. Wednesday, we have church. So I'm doing 
church every single day like that. And many, and of course, I should be reading. You say, well, you're the pastor. You ought to be reading your Bible. No, you're, you are pastoring somebody around you, especially your family. You ought to be reading your Bible. How can you raise your kids in the Lord and not be able to give them an answer that's from the Scripture if you're a believer? You're going to give them an answer from the world or you're going to give them an answer from the Word? And most of us see a lot of times where we give them the answer or where it comes from. Last week, Pastor Kobe made reference to Moses leading two million Jews into the promised land. Two million. The sad part about this was that most of the two million refused to go or refused to come into the promised land. Isn't that sad? Do you know how many, you know I was thinking a while ago, we were singing that song, I almost gave an altar call. Even when we were his foe, and some of us in here still are, he is calling us. He'll kick down any wall, climb any mountain. He'll do, he's calling you today. Some of you in here are still his foe. Do you know he's calling you? Do you know he's not mad at you? He's really not. Could he be? Does he have a right to be? Sure, but God looks through the blood of Jesus, and that's why he's not mad at you. Because he treated his son that way, he can look at you this way. Come on, somebody. Say amen. So there's many of them that didn't get to the promised land. How many Christians may be born again, and you started, and you got baptized like they did today, but more importantly, you haven't gone to the promised land. You maybe walked away from Egypt, but somehow you hadn't gotten to the promised land. If we look, we will see what delivered the Jews from the Egyptians. Remember, they were in captivity for over 400 years. Now, I'm talking about the rest of God. I'm talking about your home cannot work unless you find the rest of God. It can't be you working this out so hard and so difficult in your own flesh. It's a matter of you finding how to operate in the rest of God, in the purpose of God, in the will of God. Then all this difficulty of trying to please everybody else subsides and you're learning how to flow in the Holy Ghost. They were in captivity over 400 years, slaves to the most wicked rulers of the time. I mean, the Egyptian Pharaoh was God. Whatever he said, it was like the guy in North Korea. It was, if you didn't believe it, you didn't walk it, you didn't say it, don't talk against it because your head would be removed. Let's look at Exodus 12, 1 through 11. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in Egypt. Now, this is how they're going to get away from Egypt. This is how they're going to enter into the rest of God. This month is to be for you the first month, the first month of your year. Come on, somebody. Are you listening? This is something first here. It said first many times right there. Come on, maybe I'm going to get some first in here today. Maybe some of you are going to say, I'm going to do something first for the first time for my family. Maybe I'm going to stand up and say, God, by your grace for the rest of my life, I will lead my family. Whether they follow or not, sometimes it's not up to you when they get to an age of their own discretion. But here's the real deal. You're going to lead no matter what. No matter who follows, you're going to lead. And when they're at a certain age, they don't have a choice. But when they get to their own rightful age, then it's not your deal. But don't. Step aside when they're too young and think, well, let me push this eagle out of the nest. They can't fly. When they crash and break their wing, you're going, well, you know, I did what I could do. No, you didn't. Stand firm for your children. Stand firm, Dad, for the house. Stand. No matter what, you stand. You lead. Well, what if nobody's coming? You come anyway. 
You expect God to do what he said he would do if you'll consecrate yourself before the Lord. He'll put a covering over your family. And eventually, I do believe, as the word says, they'll come. They'll come. This month, tell the whole community of Israel. You're killing me. (laughs) Tell the whole community of Israel that on the 10th day of the month, each man is to take a lamb for his family. Who is supposed to take a lamb? Say that again. Did it say a woman? What did it say? So who's supposed to lead the house? They're going to get out of Egypt. Men, how how is your family going to get out of Egypt if you don't lead? The man has to do this. Didn't tell the woman to do it. It said the man. The man. So it means if you're going to... I don't want to start meddling. Let me go on. Tell the whole community of Israel that on the 10th day this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. If any household is too small for a whole lamb, they must share one with their nearest neighbor. So here what we have is what? Not only are we to move out of Egypt, but we're supposed to be in community and help one another move out of Egypt. Come on, somebody. Do you see this? You can't just read scripture and let it pass by and think they're just words. Always look and see how they fit together, not only in the Old Testament, but in the New, because this is coming to the New, you know that. Get get ready. So they must share one with their nearest neighbor. Having taken into the account the number of people there are, they are to determine the amount of the lamb needed in accordance with each person will eat. The animals you choose must be a year old, males without defect. And you may take them from the sheep or the goats. Take care of them until the 14th day of the month. Have you ever thought why they took them early? You ever thought about why they took them and kept them around? I'm going to tell you something. They were supposed to become attached to this because it was a sacrifice. This wasn't the weakest, limpest lamb around. This was the best they had. Are you listening to me? This is the best lamb they had. It's the best looking one in the flock. Had to be a male. Probably one they would have used to breed. But you know what? God said, that's the one I want. This is the one I want. And I want you to take it and keep it around the house and feed it. And I want everybody to see that it cost you something to come out of Egypt. I mean, they got to where they liked this animal. Don't you understand the night that they had to sacrifice this animal? It hurt them. Those little kids said, no, wait a minute, that's Charlie. Charlie doesn't need to be killed. We don't want Charlie to be killed, I'm sorry. Why? Because each man had to stand up and lead his family. Well, look, Dad, when your kids decide they want to do what they're not supposed to do, isn't it difficult to stand up and say, we don't do that? It's the same deal right here. We don't do that. We're not going to do that. Well, well, Dad, everybody else is doing it. Do you understand? That's the same thing that's going on here. There has to be an attachment to what you give up for God because what you're giving up is what he requires. If it doesn't cost you anything, you didn't give anything up. It's funny. Some of us can give something up and it costs us something and we feel it. But if I gave up what you did, that's not what God required of me. Isn't that right? Is is that okay preaching for y'all? I don't know if it is or not. When all the people of the community of Israel must take care until the 14th day of the month, when all the people of the community of Israel, all the people, come on, we're going to get this church together yet. 
There was unity involved in this coming out of Egypt. Come on, just think of all of it. See, the church lacks unity for many reasons. And I don't want to get into all of them right now, but just think about this. If we could all come out of Egypt, just think how grand it would be. Just think, Egypt still has control of this planet right now. Many of us go out, but we go back in. Why? It's convenient. We don't want somebody to think we're weirdos, right? Are you one of those Bible thumpers? Are you really a Christian? We are too. Well, how come you're shacking up? Well, because I can. Because God forgives. Well, how come you're getting drunk as a skunk all the time? Because I can. No, the Bible says don't get drunk on wine, but if you get drunk on the Holy Ghost, really. If you're going to do something to get drunk, get drunk on the Holy Ghost. There's no law against that. Come on, somebody. You ever been drunk on the Holy Ghost? I didn't want to get there. Some of y'all be preaching religion here. When all the people of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight, then they are to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and the tops of the door frames of the houses where they eat the lamb. Now, isn't this crazy? God is making this personal. I said, we're doing homework. Where are they doing this sacrifice? Sometimes you just got to be quiet and let God speak to some of y'all. This sacrifice was done at home because this, these homes needed some work. Listen, this is where God began to establish his chosen. And this is what they did to agree with the covenant that was fixing to happen later on. If they wanted out of Egypt, this is what it was going to cost them. Now, what is it going to cost you? Really not much just to agree with Jesus. The sacrifice is you just to agree with Jesus. You're not supposed to be a dead sacrifice. You're supposed to be a living sacrifice. Come on, somebody. That same night, they're to eat the meat, roasted over the fire, along with bitter herbs and bread made without yeast. I could preach a long time here, but I got to go. Do not eat the meat raw or cooked in water, but roast it over the fire, head, legs, and inner parts. You know why? This is serious business. I'm talking about, we want you to remember when you leave Egypt, there's a reason why you're leaving. We're not leaving Egypt partway. I said, come on, somebody. There's somebody in here needs to hear that today. We have families such in disarray. The church is in disarray. Why? Because the family is the, is the single unit of the church. It's what stands for the home work. The work of the home is what we're talking about. We get up on Sunday and our kids says, I'm sleeping in. Okay, we are too. It's raining. I know it's cold too. Tell you what, we'll watch it on Facebook. Nobody will miss us. That's what you think your significance is to the body of Christ. You didn't leave Egypt. You didn't eat all of it. Now you like the roasted, come on somebody, you, you like that roasted part, don't you? Put a little seasoned salt on there. Let Daryl cook it for you. He, we'd eat all of it. You understand? You'd even eat the innards. That's what it says to do. Why? Because we're, sac we're going the distance here. We're not halfway walking out of Egypt. We're going all the way out. Many of us go, well, you don't understand. There are things that are important that we have to do on Sunday. Think that. Think that. Do not leave any of it till morning. Oh, I want to preach. If some is left till morning, you must burn it. This is how you are to eat it, with your cloak tucked into your belt, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. 
Eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. Wow. It's the Lord's Passover. We're supposed to be eating this and thinking about it. As we're eating it, we're on the move. We're going and moving in the purpose of God. We're not just eating this. We're moving in the purpose of God. The only way you can ever allow your home to begin to work is to start moving in the purpose of God. And start leaning toward the purpose of God. You know, I never do my stuff backwards and forwards. So y'all hang in here. All right, maybe this is it. Y'all better pray for me. I'm serious. This took place in the home. Therefore, homework. This was homework. And it incorporated community. This was an act of worship in the home that delivered them from Egypt. Therefore, the world. Homework. This is some homework. Now, this was an assignment they were given, but it was not the only assignment that they were to receive. Worship is what makes us different. Listen to me. This was an act of worship. You know, when Kristen or somebody else up here says, hey, y'all come to the altar, we're going to worship God. You don't have to come to the altar and worship God. But it's so much power and unity when you come to the altar and worship God. But you can worship God back there. Many of us think because we go to church, we worship God. That's not, that's not worshiping God just because you go to church. You're, you're supposed to be worshiping God every single day of the week, not just the two hours that you may be here. Worship is what makes us different. Did you worship today? God, we find it so difficult to offer our bodies even in worship. You see somebody raise your hands, raise their hands or get on their knees. I've seen people cry up here and weep and wail, get out on their face because of situations in their life and they're asking God to intervene. They're doing it as an act of sacrificial worship. And many of us that have never done that stand back and judge that. The promised land was not only a location. I'm talking about the rest of God. Stay with me, Buster. But a situation. It wasn't just a location. It was a situation where God would manifest his greatness in his rest, he would give them. One, 12 spies went to, went, to, went to spy out the promised land. If you haven't read it, I don't have time to read it for you. Okay? Two, came back with great news, Joshua and Caleb. Three, through their unbelief, they spent 40 years in the wilderness. Now, we're talking about getting to the rest of God. Come on, somebody. Some of you in the wilderness today. I'm talking to somebody today that's in the wilderness. They spent 40 years in the wilderness. They missed the rest of God. Fear overcame the promise of God. You know why some of you don't leave Egypt in this little town? You know why people sometimes don't come to this church in this town? Because it's the remnant church. It's a Holy Ghost filled church. We're a Bible believing church. We don't have these denominational barriers that say you got to look like us, you have to walk like us. No, you got to look like Jesus, you got to walk like Jesus, you got to talk like Jesus. That's the kind of church we are. Yes, your pastor dresses, he doesn't wear a cloak and a whatever you're supposed to, whatever you think the religious are supposed to wear. Am I out of line? Okay. Look what we're up against. 
Am I, am, I, am I where I'm supposed to be? Okay. Look what we're up against. I got a great daughter. She's trying to cover for me here. Make sure I'm okay. That's good. I am okay. Look what we're up against. See, before you'll come out and find the rest, Erica, what we do, we go, but look what we're up against. That's what they say. They say, well, it can't come out. I'll show you in just a minute. Of all these 12 men were leaders within their tribals, uh, in their tribes. Every one of them were leaders. That meant their names have a special significance. I looked up all of their names. I don't have time to read them to you, but they all have special meanings about prominence of God, deliverance of God, message of God, power of God, uh, all have great names about them. Although they were ten, although they were to represent each household as they represented their tribe's opinion. That's what they were supposed to do. But it was supposed to be something that, that their tribe came up with, and if they agreed with what they said, but you'll see in this they didn't. Let's go to 31. Do we have that up there? But the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than us. And they, and they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, the land we explored devoured those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim. These, these were the descendants of Anak. Come before the Nephilim. We seemed like grasshoppers in, their own eye, in our own eyes. And we looked the same to them. Now listen to me. Why do we not find the rest of God? Why can we not leave Egypt? It's because we look out in our community and see that the forces, the, the things in the community seem to have more power than we do. One, we don't operate as a community, as a body of Christ. We don't operate as the purpose and will of God. We're always looking and checking to see, well, is that going to be okay with the school? Is it going to be okay with uh, church or the city government? Is it, is it, you know, even though this is, sometimes we, we allow things that are practiced in our community to overcome what we've come out of. I, I don't understand. We struggle with that. So much difficulty there. The ten spies who came out with a defeated, faithless view convinced the rest to, return, to turn away from the promised land. So here I've got, let's say I've got Howard and his family, sold out, committed. But he's getting two or three of y'all talking to him, and he go, you, go, you know, it, it is really okay for you to go over here and do this. And Howard goes, no, it's not. It's not okay for me to go over here. It's not okay for me to act like that. It's not, I've been carved out. I have been... I have sacrificed my life, given it over to God, so therefore now I am going to show my family how the home is supposed to work. Yes. So he's pressured. Are you not pressured? Are you not pressured? What are you going to do the day the Sunday comes if they play a football game on Sunday? Don't laugh. They're doing it in Little League. As a result, they missed the rest of God. Wow, they turned away from the promised land. They convinced others. They wandered 40 years in the wilderness. I believe many of our houses are like this. As a result, the church seems to operate in unbelief and is absent from the rest of God. You can't have the home working properly without being in the rest of God. It's impossible. So for us to be able to do our homework, our home must become the resting place of God. 
Somehow we've got to allow our home. See, many people think this is the church. Let me help you here. This is a barn. The church is here. That's what the scripture says. The Holy Ghost resides in you. This is the church. We are the church. The, the building is not the church. You're the sacred place. You're the holy of holies at this point. Hebrews 4, 9 through 11 says this. So there remains a Shabbat keeping for God's people. Stay back there just a second. A Shabbat means the seventh day rest. But it's a different kind of rest. Okay? We're going all the way across from the Old Testament to the New now. Go ahead. For the one who has entered God's rest has also rested from his own works as God did from his. Stop right there. Don't go any further. So when you enter God's rest, what it means is now you're not working on your behalf anymore. You have entered into the, the life of Christ through salvation. And now God has given freedom to work in your life. Therefore, all what you do, like it says in Colossians, is done for the glory of God, but it's not laborious. It's resting. I am resting while I'm working. I don't wait till I get to Sunday to rest. I'm resting every day of the week. For the one who is in God's, therefore, therefore let us do our best to enter that rest. Okay? Let us do our best to enter that rest so that no one will fall short because of the same kind of disobedience. So what kind of disobedience? Unbelief. That was the problem. They had unbelief. So the rest of God is the Shabbat for God's people in the New Testament. And it's every day. It's not one day. It's not one seventh. It's seven sevenths. We have ceased from our works and rest in his purpose. The difficulty I have in living Christianity is sometimes I want to apply my will instead of his. And all I have to do to figure this thing out is read the word, listen to his spirit, be in community, and God so easily will speak to any of us. We have ceased from our works and rest in his purpose. The promised land was promised to the Jews out of Egypt, but they did not operate in obedience. All they had to do was to enter the promised land and apply God's strategy, and then they would be in the rest of God. See, there's something we have to do. Once you operate in the rest of God, you apply God's strategy, and that's the rest of God. When you think about how they overtook the promised land, there were some crazy things that God had them do. But it was the rest of God because when they were obedient, things happened like dominoes falling down. When we do this in our homes, His work begins to manifest through us defeating a world that demands we return to Egypt. We must stand in His promises. Stand means to actively apply and know he would deliver the enemy into our hands. That's what we do in our families. We have to get to a place that our families are in the rest of God. You know how it is. Have you all ever had any difficulties in your family? Have you all ever had chaos in your family? Do you all know what it's like when Egypt tries to enter into your family? Am I the only one that knows or just all of y'all? I know. It's a challenging thing when Egypt tries to enter into something that God has, that we have, we sacrificed to come out of Egypt. Egypt says, no, well, wait a minute. I'm not through with y'all yet. It's a challenge, isn't it? It's hurtful. It's demeaning. 
It's, I mean, it's pressure. It's what do we do? Do we stay silent and maybe it'll go away? Can I tell you it never goes away? You have to stand. You have to be able to see. If Moses wouldn't have took a stand, they would have never crossed the Red Sea. You have to be able to stand in your own life as a Christian. You have to be able to get into the place where the rest of God is a natural thing. And when the enemy shows up, you've already sacrificed because you received the sacrifice. See, we don't have to do a lamb anymore. When John the Baptist saw Jesus, what did he say? The lamb of God that take away the sin of the world. To get out of Egypt, they had to kill a lamb, remember? To get out of the world, we have to receive the death and burial and life or resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. So there's a difference there. It's a whole lot easier now. Once we receive, that's what I was telling you, Marcus, now you begin to learn how to walk in the rest of God. You learn how to operate in the rest of God. You learn how to to have deliverance in the rest of God. When things happen in your family, it's not chaos chaos like Kesarah, No, it isn't. It's you standing firm because you know enough of the Word of God that you speak the Word of God. You come into your wife and you say, Hey, let's pray about this. This is not the direction we need to be going. And if both of you say, Well, we don't know what to do, then bless God pray about it until you find out what to do. But don't just make a decision because the world is putting pressure on you. Deuteronomy one twenty one says this. See, the Lord your God has given you the land. Go up and take possession of it as the Lord, the God of your fathers, told you. Do not be a what? Said so don't be afraid. And don't be discouraged. Those are two things that dominate most of us. Fear and uncertainty. You're discouraged. I have so many people telling me, why, if God is God, how could he let that happen? I've already told you many times, there's a devil loose on the planet. How could God let this happen if he is God? Well, a lot of times, there's so many situations where people are not have not carved their family out of Egypt, and they're living in the world. And your families are offered up as a living sacrifice when they don't have to be. Jesus is that sacrifice. All they get to do, if you'll train them up in the way they should go, is walk in the rest of God. Wouldn't it be so grand that your kids grow up as teenagers, and as they're teenagers, we see them operate like they should be operating instead of saying, well, they're teenagers. Don't shout me down. I didn't get an amen there, did I? They're teenagers. You know, that's just what teenagers do. Really? Is that because that's what we expect them to do? Is that because we've allowed that part of Egypt into our house? Is that because we didn't eat all the insides? Because we didn't sacrifice? Maybe we didn't put blood. You know what the blood on the doorpost stood for? That the death angel would not kill the firstborn of Egypt. I mean, of Israel. Instead, he killed the firstborn of every Egyptian... And the next day happened, and the Egyptians said, y'all get out of town before God kills all of us. It's time for us to operate in the purpose of God. It's time to us, for, for us to have the rest of God, not just on Sunday. Is this, your son, is this your rest? Is this your rest, the two hours that you're looking for every day? This can't be your rest. It's every single day is the rest of God. That's how your home will work. 
It's not when you go on vacation, are you going to be in the rest of God? Are you going to get out of the rest of God? You're taking God with you. You're going to be in the rest of God on your vacation. John 1.29, that's when, Jesus, when John the Baptist said that. If we want to walk in the rest of God, we just have to notice the Lamb of God. He was broken just like that lamb was broken. Amen? He was broken. He took on the sin of the world. That lamb was taking on the sin of the Jews so they could leave Egypt. And all they had to do, they were on an 11-day journey, and it took 40 years to get into the promised land. 40 years. 11-day journey. Because they refused to walk in the rest of God. Is that crazy? How many years you've been on your journey? <laughs> huh? How many years? That's why your family struggles, adults. We're still on the journey. You're still trying to re- find the rest of God. You don't know how to handle this because you're still in the world part of the time. And then you come to church and you go, golly, I'm going to do better. Quit trying to do better. Stop trying. Start trusting. Just stop trying. Quit it. Give up. You've already been given everything you need that pertains to life and godliness. You have the rest of God. Now release it and operate in it so your family can be successful. I have some homework for you today. So we have to have homework. Because this is how the home works. I've got some people who are going to hand these out. Three or four of y'all. When you leave. Here we go. You can hand them out. No, no. Go stand back there at the door. You go stand at that door. A couple of y'all go back there. Back there. I need a couple of, there you go, one or two there. Going back to the outside door. It has the word pray on it. It's your homework. You with me? It's easy homework. It has the word pray. I want you to take this little sticker, and I want you to put it somewhere where you can see it before you go into your children's room, and I want you to commit to pray for them every day before they leave. With them, not as you're walking by in a big hurry and you don't have time to pray. That's why they're still living in Egypt, because you hadn't shown them prayer is important. So that's all you have to do. It's a, little, it's a little bitty sticker, and it just says pray with two little hands on the end of it, and it's showing you pray. It's your homework. I want you to pray for your family. This home, this is how the home works. How can you, your home ever work without prayer? When's the last time you grabbed your kid's hand? Oh, yeah, we all did it when they were little, right? When's the last time you grabbed your kids' hands and prayed? I mean, you and Daddy, I'm talking to you today. Daddy, I'm saying you need to do that. And Daddy, if you're leaving before they wake up, that's okay. You pop open that door and you do a prayer by. Huh? You do a drive-by. You don't have to wake them up if it's not their time, but bless God, you do a drive-by and you stop right there. You open that door and kick it open and you say, Lord, in the name of Jesus, bless my family today. Bless my kids, keep them safe, and help them not walk in the ways of the world, but help them see the example that I'm giving them because right now I'm the Jesus they have. 
in Jesus. It doesn't have to be a 50-minute prayer. But if they're awake, you're waking them up. Don't wait till they're all dressed and stuff. As soon as you wake, you just grab them right quick. Say, I want you to have a restful day in God. This home is going to start. And I'm telling you, within a week, you'll see a change in your family. Within one week, you'll see a change if you'll commit to do this. Now, listen to me. You're going to have an enemy come up against you. You know how some of your kids wake up? (laughs) You know why they do that? Because that's how you wake up. Don't shout me down when I'm breathing good. I know some of y'all. Man, y'all wake up. Y'all need to have IV of coffee while you're sleeping. I want you to pray with your family. Daddies, if it's all possible, pray with your kids every single day. That's your homework. That's not hard homework, is it? That's a blessing. Man, you can bless your kids every day. You can protect your kids every day. God will begin to do things in them because they'll think God's important because you think God's important. And they'll think they're important because you think God's important and you think they're important. Things will begin to turn like you never thought they could turn because you know what? You've decided you're not going to be the 10 that said we can't take in, take over the promised land. You're going to be the two that said we're going. We don't care what y'all are doing. Come on, let's go to the promised land. That's the only way a home will work. And the first way that it works, I'm telling you, if I'm wrong, tell me, is prayer. What is this house supposed to be called? So we better start our homework with the first thing. Prayer. Okay? Before we leave today, I just want to ask you this. There was something going on during that song when I told you I almost gave an altar call. I really felt like somebody wanted to get up and come forward. And sometimes... We get so caught up in making sure the times are the same and doing what we're doing in here. I know he's talked to somebody this morning and you want to say, he's climbed every mountain, he's kicked down every wall. I'm here. I want him to be my savior. I want to return home. Come on, when you think of the prodigal, come on. I'll never forget, I watched a a sermon by Pastor Kobe the other day on Facebook, and he had Jasmine standing here, and I forgot who he had over there. But he said, look what happens when you take one step toward God. And Jasmine was God, and whoever that was over there took one step, and God just ran. Well, that's what he wants to do to meet you today. He's, I mean, he's in the starting blocks. All you got to do is come forward. Would you bow your head with me? Just take a minute.